I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. In this episode, Brendan Kumarasamy is sharing his knowledge and wisdom concerning mastering the art of public speaking. Brendan shares some of his own struggles with public speaking, and he also mentions that before him, there were no free resources online to help anyone. Brendan is very generous in giving tips and tricks to get better at public speaking, whether it is for a Facebook or Instagram Live, a YouTube channel, or even a presentation at work. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys just by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. Join me for episode 32 of The Beauty in the Mess called Mastering Public Speaking with Brendan Kumarasamy. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. So without further ado, Let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Brendan. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. It's great to have you with us today. Michelle, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. And I know you've created Master Talk to help people get better at public speaking in all realms. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal story of why you do what you do today and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So so for me, the journey started in business school, Michelle, and I studied in accounting, funny enough. That's what I thought I was going to do for a living. And I'm doing these numbers and I'm crunching these numbers and I start doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing baseball or football or basketball, as you can tell by looking at me, I'm not one of those guys. So I did professional sports competitively, which was presentations. And that's what I did competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching all the other students, not really for money, just to make them win competitions. And I accidentally developed a talent on how to communicate ideas effectively and coach other people on how to do it. And that's where the idea for the YouTube channel came from, because I felt that a lot of the info I was sharing with people wasn't really available for free on the internet. And here we are today. Oh, wow. So you just developed a passion by helping your fellow students. You got it. And then it developed over time to something I never could have imagined. That's awesome. So as we get into helping people how to get better at public speaking, which you can tell (laughs) I need some help, but what's the difference between giving presentations or being on the stage or Facebook lives or like for me, even it's mostly audio, right? So can you talk through some of the differences of how you bring yourself to life, so to speak, in these different arenas? 
For sure, Michelle. And you really touched an important point there, which is communication is like juggling 18 different balls at the same time, right? So one of those balls is eye contact, and then smile, and then facial expressions, one of them is storytelling, body language, and that will vary based on the setting you're in. And it can get really confusing for people. So for me, the question has always been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if we can juggle those three balls, We'll get better at communication. We'll see results and it'll build momentum. Similar to, let's say, fitness. If we want to work out, you know, the first step is not get a custom diet plan with a $10,000 personal trainer. The first step is probably, are you walking 15 minutes every day? Right. To get some exercise. Are you drinking less soft drinks? Are you eating less junk food? And that's the same analogy that I tried to bring to communication. So let me give you an example. Okay. So the first of those balls, and I'm happy to talk about the other ones, absolutely, sure. is the random word exercise. So you pick a word like trophy case, like certification, like light bulb, like home, random words that have nothing to do with anything. And you do 30 to 60 second presentations on that word. And what this does is it helps you think on your feet in every area of your life. And it helps you deal with uncertainty as well. So what do you mean like a, a presentation on that one word? You say just say it over and over again? Of course, I'm happy to demonstrate. Give me a word, Michelle, any word that you want. And I'll just do the, the exercise. Okay, basketball. Okay, awesome. So for those listening to the podcast, Michelle did not give me the word basketball prior to this conversation. She just gave me a word randomly. Right. So here I go. You know, a few years ago, Michelle, when I was sitting on my sofa figuring out what to do and the pandemic hit, I went on Netflix and I watched a show called The Last Dance, which is a documentary about Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. And what was so fascinating about his life is that he was competitive in everything, not just basketball, but even there's a story in the show where he's competing against one of his security guards on who's going to throw the quarter the farthest, which is really interesting. And the reason I bring that up is because all of us have a basketball in our life. And I don't mean a literal basketball sitting in our basement at home. I mean a talent, a passion, a conviction, something that all of us can do together. And some of it is a basketball. And for others, it's a podcasting mic. For others, it's a YouTube channel. And for others, it's a spatula. But I encourage all of you to find that basketball within you and share that gift with the world. That's the random word exercise. That was great, actually. <laughs> that would be something to master for sure. Yeah, I like that. You got it. No, you're all good, Michelle. And point I want to drive with this, because a lot of people might listen to that and say, holy moly, like I can't sound like that. And the message that I want to send to people, Michelle, is I've done the exercise 3,000 times. Oh, wow. That's why I'm so good at it. So for everyone listening to this, my advice is always the same. The first 100 times doesn't count. So the first 100 times, it's literally you just get paid to do it. So you don't get points for doing it well. You get points for doing it a lot. But the best thing about this exercise is if you do it five times a day, which only takes five minutes, for three weeks, not three months, not three years, three weeks, you'll hit 100 pretty quickly. Oh, wow. So do you record yourself or tape yourself and then critique it? Or do you just practice? You're right, but that's a different ball. So for people getting started, oh, okay. for people getting started, and the reason I'll actually tell you, because that's a great point that you're bringing up, but recording yourself absolutely helps your game. But for someone who's absolute beginner, it's literally you do it a hundred times because then when you do it a hundred times, 
then what happens is you build momentum. You go, oh, I'm actually a lot better than I thought. Whereas if you start to record yourself, then you're going to make an excuse not to even do it. You're like, oh, well, now I got to record myself. Now I got to look at it. I got to put makeup on. I got to take out my phone. And then people end up not doing it at all. That's why I kind of avoid that until somebody has done it a hundred times at least. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause I don't think I'd want to watch myself at first. I mean, until you had some confidence to get going. So was that your second ball was to record? You got it. So the first ball is the random word exercise. The record is probably, I would say, ball number three, which we'll touch on. Okay. Ball number two is the question drill. So we get asked questions all the time in our life, Michelle. Right. We're like on a podcast, at work, on a sales call from our family. You know, did you take out the trash? But a lot of us, we're not ready for the questions that life throws at us. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago when I started guesting on shows, I sucked. It was really bad. Remember some guy asked me, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I look at the guy, Michelle, and I go, I don't know, man. Los Angeles? Phoenix? <laughs> I was like, Florida, maybe? So I didn't answer correctly. So how did I fix this? Every single day for five minutes, I just answered one question that I thought somebody would ask me about my expertise. So day one was like, okay, what tips do you have for introverts? Day two was how do you overcome your fear of communication? Day three was where does the fear come from? If you do that every day for five minutes for a year, Michelle, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be bulletproof. Oh, wow. That's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I like that. There you go. So has anybody caught you off guard yet since you've done that? Oh, yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times. I've... Oh, Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say no. <laughs> a lot of times. But that's because their intention is to throw me off guard. Oh. Because they know I've done the exercise a lot. If somebody doesn't know I've done a thousand question drills, nah, there's not really anything that catches me off guard. It's just when somebody tries really hard, they'll say something like, what's one question that you feel you haven't answered that you're lacking on? It's like, well, I don't know the answer to that. Let me think. <laughs> then, <laughs> I don't know. Or somebody will throw me a left ball and say, like, what's your favorite color? Or what's your third favorite color? It's like, well, I don't know. But for most of us, it's very easy to navigate through life if you just do the question drill every day for five minutes. Yeah. And if you even cover 90% of what somebody asks, you're so much further ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Okay. And then do you want to take us into touch on again, ball number three? Absolutely. Happy to. Ball number three is so simple, Michelle, that nobody does it. And the third ball and it has something to do with recording yourself, but it's much bigger than that, which is make a list of three people you love the most in your life. A niece, a nephew, a daughter, a friend, a client, a family member, and send them a 20 second, not a 20 minute, but a 20 second video message, just telling them how much you appreciate having them in your life. And that's it. If you do three of those a day, which only takes a minute, 20 seconds each, you do that for a year, you'll have sent a thousand video messages and you'll be amazing on camera. And you know what the best part is? The best part is a lot of people are thinking right now, oh my God, like what if my makeup isn't there? What if I'm not perfect? And always this happens all the time, Michelle, when people respond to your video message, what you think they'll respond is never what they actually respond. So what you think they'll respond is like, oh, you made so many mistakes. Why do you have a hoodie on? That's what we think they'll respond. But what they actually respond with is they go, wow, Michelle, no one's ever sent me a video message before. Thank you so much. You must really care about me. I really appreciate it. They don't even care if you make mistakes. And that encourages you to do it more. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, what was going through my mind was there's several people that send me audio messages now. 
instead of typing it out, they send you an audio. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'd even be comfortable doing the audio. And I do a podcast. So it's odd the way our mind thinks, you know. But then when you add the video, it's a whole new element. So I think it would definitely help people get over that and gain confidence. But how do you force yourself to do it those first few times? You're actually the perfect host for this type of show, Michelle, because you're also kind of being transformed through the tips, so and which is relatable for people listening to it, right? Right. So here's my advice. That's why video messages is ball number three. Because <laughs> it's harder to do. That's the point I wanted because it's harder to do. So the random word exercise, even if we might have anxiety around it, let me be super clear with what I mean by this. If we don't do the random word exercise a hundred times, we don't even touch ball number two. Forget about ball number three. We don't even touch ball number two. And the other point that I want to draw at the random word exercise is you do not have to do this in front of anybody. So the most introverted person that I've coached in my life, the most shy person, like imagine shy times 100. You're not shy, by the way. I don't even classify you there. All right. And the reason is because you have a podcast. Like the person I coach would never even dream to think they would even start a podcast, let alone host one. Believe it or not, that was me a year ago. I never would have dreamed it. And that was me too, by the way, with the YouTube channel. I know, hard to believe, but the truth is, is the reason I was so scared. I got a crooked left arm. I have a disability in my left arm, right? That's one. The second piece is I grew up speaking a language I didn't know because I live in Montreal, which is a city where you need to know how to speak French. So I didn't know the language. So I'd always stand in front of these French kids and I didn't want to speak the language. So I'd go, uh, buh, 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 bonjour. And it was really traumatizing. And then on top of that, you think a communication expert studied in comms. I got a bachelor's degree in accounting. Like if I could do this, I think anyone can do it. That's always the point I like to try. That's great, really. I know a whole business group of introverted people. You'd be perfect guest speaker for them, I think. <laughs> there you go. I'll have to talk to the lady who runs it. So yeah, that's awesome. There you go. But the advice is really just about saying, hey, just do the random word exercise five times in the shower. Nobody's bothering you in the shower, hopefully, right? Unless you have little kids. <laughs> Mom! There you go. Or if you're alone at home, right? That's another great thing. Do the random word exercise then. But that's really the starting point where there's no fear needed because there's nobody around you. You touched on something earlier that got me thinking also because when you're on video or you're live stage presence or during a meeting, you're given a presentation, there's a lot of things going on. Like you said, you smile, your gestures are being read by the people as well as what you're saying. The hand gestures, you can see I use my hands a lot. But when you're just audio, how do you convey that? I had one person tell me if you smile, it changes your voice and people can feel that even though they can't see it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or absolutely, Michelle. So so what your friend told you is absolutely right. You know, smiling does change the way that people perceive you, your voice. But the problem I have with suggesting that exercise is it's really hard to see the results from it. Yeah, true. I'll give you an example of the weight loss. So let's say somebody wants to lose weight. Okay, let's say five pounds. And they start on a scale and they weigh, I don't know, 150. And they do what their coaches tell them to do. Or they listen to a weight loss podcast, let's say like an episode like this one. And they implement everything. And the next week they get on the scale and it says 147. And they lost three pounds. So what this does is it goes, oh, what I just did this week works. Right. So let me just keep doing this. And there's an excitement that's built. Whereas with when it's like smiling, when you're – no one's going to – reply back and say, oh my God, Michelle, what happened to your voice? It's amazing. What happened? Did you like hire a 
speech therapist is you start doing improv whereas with the random word exercise the difference is stark like when you do it the first time it's horrible as it's supposed to be like uh basketball is something my kids used to play i guess but then when you do it 25 times you're really good at it and then you go oh like i'm actually really good at speaking and the mindset barrier breaks a lot faster so is that the true key it's just your mindset around all of this yeah so you're Three practices are really just changing the mindset behind it, right? Correct. By showing tangible improvement. So let's say go back to the weight loss example. If somebody says they want to lose five pounds at least three in a week, they go, oh, like I could set much bigger because it's a lot harder in anything. And I'm just using weight loss because it's easy to understand. Right. So it's a lot harder to go from zero to one than it is from one to 10 or one to 100. I've always found. So like for me, my first thousand dollars making money online was significantly harder than let's say my first 10,000 or beyond. Because once you do it, you, you go, oh, I could actually make money online or I could actually lose weight or I could actually get better at speaking. And then your whole mindset changes around it. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So tell us more about Master Talk because I know you do a lot of free YouTube advice, correct? So tell us more about your business. Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. So Master Talk is two parts. So the first one is the media company, which is how do we bring free communication tools for the world? That's why I openly share like all the tools, just do them at home and just get results. And the second piece to Master Talk is the coaching practice. So for me to kind of fund, like I spend a lot of money on like my YouTube channel and the different platforms that we're on, is that a lot of executives hire me to just do this for them. So they just go, can you be my personal trainer? So all of these tips still remain the same, but now the people I work with who are generally like C-level executives, vice presidents of companies, entrepreneurs, coaches, they go, yeah, I'll just pay you for the accountability and they get the result a lot faster. That's the only difference. That's what I was going to say with every coach that I've been blessed to talk to. They all say that I'm teaching the same thing. I'm teaching everyone else, but it's the accountability piece. And that makes all the difference in the world. Plus, I think you get feedback. I, I would say that's the second part. Correct. Yeah. Rory Vaden says it so well. Money speeds up time. So for somebody getting started in their careers, let's say you're in your 20s right now, you're getting started, you don't necessarily need to invest in a coach because they're going to run you thousands of dollars. So for you, it's more like go to Toastmasters and do these exercises at home, and that's great. But eventually in your career, time becomes more valuable than your money. And that's usually when you pass, let's say, $80,000 a year in annual income. You just go like, okay, well, I don't want to waste six months of my life figuring this out. Right. I'd rather just hire Brendan and get the result in like six weeks. You know, you just mentioned Toastmasters. I had someone tell me that early on and that sounded horrifying to me. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever done it? I've spoken at a couple of the clubs. I'm a big fan of Toastmasters. I think it's great. Okay. Especially for the price. I think it's only like a few hundred bucks a year or something to be a part of it. It's just for different levels. So if you're getting started and you don't have a lot of money, you're kind of figuring out communication. Toastmasters is a great solution. I think it's only when you get into a level where you're already successful and you're like, eh, I don't really want to sit in a meeting for two hours a week. I'd rather just get a personal coach. Right. And plus, you probably have to kick your skills up a notch by the time you're looking for a coach. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, higher than Toastmasters, what it offers. So as kind of like what we were talking about before, for the average person, how is it different when they're like doing a Facebook live versus giving a presentation? I know the content is completely different, but how they present themselves or how they project their voice, like you have a very strong 
I mean, you can see confidence. People obviously won't be able to see you, but I can see that you're confident, but I can also hear it in your voice. How do people who aren't confident do that, or at least project that image? For sure, Michelle. So, so here's kind of my lining thread to keep it simple. Confidence can be earned, right? Because remember, I started, just so people know my story here, I started coaching CEOs of companies when I was 22. Wow. Like, who in the world am I to do that? Right? It's like, what's this kid doing? And they're double my age, especially at the time. St they're still double my age, even today, maybe a little bit less, a little less, because I'm obviously older, but they're definitely older. But the point is more about saying, how did I build up the courage? And it's not some magic formula. It's because when I go up to an executive and they always doubt my expertise, I just ask them, how many times have you done the random word exercise? They go, what's that? And I teach it to them once. And they're like, oh my God, this is horrifying. And then I ask them, how many times do you think I've done it? And they go, I don't know, like 30? And I go, try 3,000. So it's not like a fake confidence. I'm not a big believer in fake it till you make it. I think there's some small validity to it, but I think it's more about saying face it until you make it. Just do more than everyone else and you'll get the results. But it's just about saying, doing it in a way that's comfortable for you. So, if you, so for me, when I started coaching people, I didn't start CEOs. I started with 15 year old kids. Right. That's what I was comfortable. And then I loved coaching the kids. Then I started coaching people my own age. Then I started coaching people a little older than me. And then I went straight to CEO. But why is that? The reason is because a lot of my friends in their early 20s started tech companies. Okay. And they were like, oh my God, I can't afford a coach. What do I do? And I said, oh, let me just help you. And that's how I developed a lot of C-suite experience with my friends. But then I realized, oh, the same advice applies for the 45-year-old CEO than it does for the 22-year-old CEO. And that's how I progressed. But I didn't start there or else I'd be wetting my pants. <laughs> right? I started with kids and then I built it up. So that's what I'd encourage people to do too. So it sounds like you had a little bit of what I call imposter syndrome, where you start questioning yourself. So how do you get through that? Yeah. I mean, especially if it's in the moment right? You're seeing these people and you're feeling... For sure. For me, the only solution worth solving for the imposter syndrome is a quote by Ali Gadet. And he says this, if you help one person, Michelle, the world will give you permission to help everybody else. Oh, wow. So for example, right? So let's say we take our relationship with our children. I don't have kids, but let's say somebody listening has kids. When they make mistakes, do you tell yourself, oh my God, I'm not the number one mom in the world? I'm not the number one dad in the world. I can't give this person advice. No, you go, look, kid, you got to stop doing this. <laughs> so there's always somebody in our life we're comfortable giving advice to. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The number is never zero. The number is at least one. So whoever that one person is in your life, start helping that person and what you want to solve for the world. So for me with communication, okay, sure, I might not be comfortable coaching my mom on that, but I was super comfortable coaching the other students in the program. They were my age. I was just like, oh, yeah, you guys suck. Like, you need to do this, this, this. You feel comfortable telling him that? Yeah, but I also sucked as a coach. So they were talking, because I didn't know how to coach. They were just like, your advice doesn't make any sense. We'd kind of go back and forth until they started getting results. And then I coached 60 of them for free. And then I realized, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this thing. So it wasn't really a question of imposter syndrome. It was more, even if I had it a ton when I started working with executives especially, but it was more about saying, who is that one person in my life that I'm comfortable serving today? Because my advice is never, oh yeah, just overcome your fear and go jump on a stage and go. I never start like that. That's why the random word exercise, I just go do it alone in your, in your apartment or your house. For me, it's always about where do we find an excuse to take a little bit of action? So for you as listening, don't worry about the CEO of X company. 
worry about who's one person that I'm really comfortable helping and just start with that person and let that person give you permission to help everyone else. Cause they'll sit down, they'll go, Oh my God, you're so good at this, Michelle. You got to help somebody else. And then you go two, four, eight, and then it just doubles. Do you help people like with techniques as well? Cause I've heard you doing storytelling, so to speak, right? Even with the basketball story, right? You relate it to a story instantly, and then you start relaying that story. Do you coach people on those kind of things too, on their techniques? 100%, Michelle. I would say storytelling in my sequence is probably ball 15. (laughs) And the reason is simple, but I'm happy to share. I'll share the tip. Sure. But I'll just give kind of a sequence. Basically, what I'm saying is if you're not willing to do the random word exercise 100 times or send 100 video messages, I don't see somebody being a great storyteller. And I'll tell you why. Because storytelling, you have to get a lot of things right. So even if you have a great story, if your foundations are bad, like I'll give you an example. Uh, once upon a time, uh, yeah, my mom grew up in a city where – so if your base is not good, your foundation – it doesn't matter how good the story is, it's going to fall flat. So you got to first do the three exercises that we talked about, which most people don't even do, by the way. So if you do those three things, you're ahead of like 95% of people already at ball three. And then balls four to 10 is technique, pausing, vocal tones, pacing, eye contact, those types of things. And then storytelling is more of a question of saying, we always need to start with the lesson first, not the story. We all have that friend in our life, Michelle, who says, hey, Michelle, you can't believe what happened last week. And they just keep talking and talking. And then after 25 minutes, you're like, when is the story going to end? Like, what's the point of this? Well, we all have that person. So how do we fix this? We fix this by writing down in a piece of paper. What do I want people to learn? So for me, one of those lessons that I always want people to take away from a podcast like this is that literally anybody in the world can be a great speaker unless they just can't talk. Right. That's a different thing. But if you can talk, like you can talk, I can talk, we can do it. So now the question becomes, what is the right story that helps me prove that? So I tried a bunch of different things, but the one that worked the most is my personal story. If I talk about my crooked left arm, which is true, obviously you can see on the screen, or whether it's my French growing up or the fact that I studied in accounting, like what communication expert started as an accountant. And I started my master talk YouTube channel, my mother's basement with no money in my pocket as a 22 year old kid. And I became the person I am today, five years later. Imagine what you do with your life because it sells the outcome that I want to sell, which is everyone can be a great speaker. Exactly, because it gives people something to relate to. They're like, oh, well, I'm not in a perfect position in my life either. But if he overcame his situation, I can overcome mine. So, yeah, that's why I went to storytelling, I think, because it seems to pull people in more than just about anything else, just because they're like, oh, I can relate to that. One thousand percent. So what other tips do you like to tell people? Absolutely. So those are the main three. I'll give you another one called puzzle. So this is when we're we're always when we're practicing for presentations like I'd say at school or at work or in our business. And the reason I call it puzzle is because whenever we're working on a jigsaw puzzle, you know, those toys we used to do as kids and some of them still do them, mm-hmm. those thousand piece puzzles. Exactly. The question now becomes, Michelle, when we work on a puzzle, which pieces do we start with first and why? And the answer is the edges. Because they're easier. Because they're easier, right? Exactly. They got a flat side. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell which pieces are the edge. Perfect. Like literally the perfect answer to Michelle, because they're easier to find in the box, put them around, work your way through the middle. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because in communication, unfortunately, we do the opposite. 
We shove a bunch of content in our slides. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> and that's the presentation. Wrong approach. So instead, what you want to do is practice like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first, meaning just practice the intro, just the introduction 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. Seems like big numbers, but your introduction's two minutes, Michelle. This is going to take you like 30 minutes to do it 15 times. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. <laughs> right? So same thing with the conclusion. 10 times, 15 times, then tackle the middle. If you practice in that order, your presentation will skyrocket in performance. That's great. Yeah, I'll have to try that <laughs> for my next one. <laughs> See how it goes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think my issue is for me, like in a work setting, is usually it's 20 men and me, and you just instantly feel like, I don't know, out of place or not looked at at the same level or whatever. So you all those things start running through your mind and then you forget what you're supposed to be focusing on. Absolutely. And I coach a lot of women executives on that. And what I always tell them, Michelle, is the solution is realizing internally that you've done more than they have. So what I always tell my women execs whenever they are giving a big presentation in front of like, let's say a bunch of CEO men, I always ask them to think about how many times do you think they've done the random word exercise? Yeah, I don't think they do. They go, Brandon, I don't even think they know what that is. And then I ask them, how many times have you done the random word exit? And I force my clients to do it a hundred times in two weeks. I'm really intense as a coach. Oh, wow. So, so at the beginning, they're like, I can't even do it once. And then two weeks later, they do it a hundred times. So four weeks into this coaching thing, they go, I can eat these guys for breakfast. It's not even close. So I go, exactly. Don't focus on the emotions we're going through, though we have to acknowledge them. Focus more on the objective truth, which is what have you accomplished that those guys haven't? And they go, well, I've done 100 random word exercises, did 100 question drills, and I did 100 video messages. And then I just go, how many have, have they done? You go, well, I think I've done more than all of them combined. I was like, yeah, go crush them. And then they do all the time. It works all the time. I have a, a question real quick. Please. On their random word exercise, are they using words that they would use at work? Or are they just using anything? Or do you know? Great. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great follow-up. So the key here is to not overthink it. So I don't mind either way, but I'll just say do a mix of both. But I definitely feel the words that have nothing to do with what you do are much more effective. Really? Yeah. And the reason is because if I can do avocados, I have a lot more fear around the word avocado than I do around the word microphone or around communication. So if I can do avocado and not sweat, who cares what a client asks me? It doesn't matter. If like a woman executive is a CFO of a manufacturing plant. If she gets the word avocado toast, it's nothing to do with what she does. And she's able to sell that avocado toast. When she goes back and does a financial statement around manufacturing plants, like she's, a, she's an expert. She's been doing it for 25 years. It's a joke. All right. So she's able to smile and show up with conviction and crush anybody else in the boardroom. It's pretty easy. I can see what, exactly what you're saying now that you explained it. Yeah. Because she knows that inside and out. Yeah. And it's the stuff she doesn't know that's going to trip her up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and just as a fun analogy, that applies for this episode too in, in your interview. Like, And I want you to self-reflect for the audience. I think that'll be helpful. Do you think you had more fear recording this episode or the first episode of your podcast? It was definitely the first episode. And it's just because obviously it was my first. And I'm actually kind of more introverted. And so just 
putting yourself out there for people was mind boggling for me. I mean, when it came time to actually let it release, I struggled. It was hard. Absolutely. But you got through it, right? Same thing with me. Yeah. Same thing with me. I did get through it. And I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know things are going to happen, but I know I'm going to survive it now. <laughs> that first episode, you don't feel like you're going to, you know? Absolutely. And you're actually, I think, a better example than I am because you're saying, oh, okay, maybe this guy's a communication coach. I might be a little worried interviewing him, but he's not, Brendan's not as, as bad as the first episode. So it only gets easier over time and you're the perfect example to showcase it. Well, I accepted that I'm not an expert, so there's no competition because <laughs> I already know you won. <sighs> so it put me at ease. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's two-way. I don't even consider myself an expert. I don't know why people call me a communication expert. I still have a long, long way to go, a lot more lessons to learn. But for me, expertise is always being able to teach the person behind us. So in the same way, you could teach me so many different things about life that I have no clue about, like the city that you live in. I'm sure I've known nothing. I know nothing about the city. Maybe I've never even visited, right? So there's always knowledge, but we can teach it to somebody who's just a couple of steps behind us. And if we play it that way, we'll always find an excuse to share the knowledge instead of not sharing. Very true. Yeah. And I think of it as your presence also, like you were talking about being nervous. I mean, you come across as very warm and very open. And that puts the other person at ease. You know, if you were rigid and not friendly or whatever, then it would be a lot tougher. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But there's a reason for that too. It's because I want people to hear this. It's because I've done 400 interviews. Oh, wow. So the first time that I was doing this, I was terrible. When the pandemic hit, I had a bunch of COVID hair because I didn't cut my hair in four months. It's hilarious. There's a bunch of images about that on YouTube. It's funny. And I have this big flock of hair and the people interviewing me are going like, what the frick is this? And I remember the first time I started getting, because I'm really extrovert, as you can tell. <laughs> so you'll notice in this interview, I'm purposefully reducing my volume to match your energy. Because the first time I started getting interviewed by introverted people, I'd always overpower them and scare them. I bet. Because they'd be like, oh, Brad, it's so great. I was like, it's so great to be on the show. They'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> and and I so I, I adjusted. So I got better over time, too. That's really the key. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And as, I think it's great for the audience to hear, too, that, you know, someone who is considered an expert is still learning just like we are. I mean, you're at a different level learning, but you're still learning. For sure. Absolutely. Very important message for everyone. So is there any other tips you want to give us or anything we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? For sure, Michelle. Let me give you the most important tip, okay. which is ball number four. So ball number five was puzzle. Ball number four is the best way to speak is to speak. So the most important thing that anyone can do listening to this podcast is the following. Are you booking 15 minutes in your calendar every single day to do the first three exercises? So what does that look like? The first five minutes, you do the random word exercise five times, 60 seconds each. Oh, wow. Plant, laptop, light bulb, screen, yoga mat. Done. Second set of the five minutes, one question. You take one question from your library and you spend five minutes writing out an answer. If you want, use a voice recorder, say it, spend five minutes on it. And then the last five minutes is you take three people's birthday, see whose birthday it is on Facebook, open your phone. Hey, happy birthday. I know this is your birthday. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And they're like, oh my God, Michelle, it's been like seven years. Thanks so much for this video message. Nobody says, <laughs> this is so cool. And if you just do those three things for 30 days, I can guarantee in blood 
that you will 100% improve your communication skills. Wow. I have no doubt. I can't wait till I do the random word exercise for the first time because I have a feeling that's going to be comical. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny, Michelle, if this was like a strategy call, this wasn't recorded, I'd have forced you to do it right now, but obviously I won't. No. I won't. If I do, I'd edit it out. (laughs) Right. But the reason why I'm saying that is because that's really the solution. Because you're already amazing at speaking, even if you might not think it. Because I want people to hear that because you did something that most people aren't even willing to do, which is harder than the random word exercise, which is making the decision to even start a podcast. Right. Yeah. I actually went to podcast school and they told us it's only a fraction like in those single digits of people that start a podcast even get past the first episode and so I do give myself credit for that I'm like well at least I keep trying I keep learning and my audience knows I'm learning it's a great thing I was a goofball when I started remember I was a kid when I started master talk right I was on my couch I was going uh hi guys uh and my videos are still up there right people can go watch it's the first videos on the channel they're horrible but we get better over time, including me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was saying. It's great for people to hear that even an expert is still continuing to learn. So it gives us all leeway. <laughs> absolutely. There you go. So how can people connect to you if they want to find you or connect to you or reach out to you? Where's the best place? For sure, Michelle. So great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Of course. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is their YouTube channel and just type master talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is I do a free communication workshop every two weeks that I facilitate myself over Zoom. These calls are free. There's eight-year-olds who come to these calls. Really? There's CEOs of billion-dollar companies who come to this call. You get the whole spectrum. It's a party that everyone's invited to. And if you're a little shy, you can still join and you could just turn off your camera and just stay muted. It's totally fine too. Stay muted and do what? You could just stay muted and just listen. And the website for that is rockstarcommunicator.com. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was just wondering, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. No, 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 you're totally fine. If the eight-year-old and the CEO are in the same Zoom class, they are sometimes? Yeah, not in my paid programs, but in that free training. Yeah. Okay. In a free. Literally everybody's on that. I invite everybody. I tell my clients, bring your kids, bring everybody. It's fine. Just everyone enjoys it. Okay. I was wondering how an eight-year-old even finds out, you know, or if they're interested at that age of giving good presentations. That's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty wild. There's this one lady who reached out to me, actually a guy and his daughter watches my YouTube video. She's like 13 years old or something. So yeah, a lot of impressive people out there. That's neat. That's the, yeah, that's the perfect time to learn. I mean, if you get, if you would get this down at that age, you're set to go no matter what you do. Pretty awesome. Well, I love your energy and I love your message. And I think it's awesome that you're out there helping people try to get better at this every day. And I appreciate you coming on the show to share your wisdom with us. Of course, Michelle, the pleasure was absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. Thank you. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Brendan sharing his journey and his wisdom has helped you in some way. A few things really stood out to me. First, Brendan's mission in life is to help everyone everywhere have free access to communication tools and resources. And I think it's so cool that he wants to be the one to provide this. I love the quote he uses to sum this up nicely by Ali Gadet. Ali says, if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. How beautiful is that? Secondly, 
Brendan stresses repetition. He talks about many things that we can do to get better and improve ourselves, but it isn't just the doing of some action. It is the repeated doing of the action that leads to the mastery. And I think he makes that very clear that you have to do it and do it and do it and do it again. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.